That's great to have uh, back with us Dr. Carol uh, Lieberman. She is known as America's psychiatrist, a board-certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist, also a best-selling author and award-winning author of several books. She's been on all the major television networks, and uh, she's with us here today. Hi, Dr. Lieberman. Good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome again to our program. Got a lot of things to talk about with you, and I know you cover a lot of subjects, particularly these days with uh, some of the uh, folks who are in some of the most important positions in the country and in the world um, are being questioned now about their cognitive way they're doing things. And you wonder, gee, is it dangerous for our country? And it's a subject that a lot of people go through. I remember when my granddad, he looked like he was not good enough to drive and we had to take the keys away. It's a very sad time. And one wonders if we need to take the keys away from maybe the president. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, actually, could you imagine if Biden didn't have, um, you know, the uh, Secret Service or whoever drives him around? (laughs) He can't even drive a bicycle (laughs) with a car. And this is the most Um, important position in the world, probably. Yes. Um, Yes, it, it so happens that well, first of all, in terms of Biden, I have been warning people since he was running in 2020 from his basement that he has encroaching dementia. And um, that was then, and it certainly has been encroaching ever more ever since. And, I mean, you know, at that time I was um, making that pronouncement as a forensic psychiatrist where um, in a number of my cases, you know, as an expert witness, um, I have to determine somebody's competency. So I know the kinds of things to look for. But, I mean, I, I should say I've never met him personally. I have written an open letter that was published that invited him to take a cognitive test with me, and I am still waiting for the phone to ring. <laughs> so, um, he, you know, he, he, we, at this point, you don't have to be a psychiatrist to know that um, he has all the typical signs of uh, an encroaching dementia, uh, and an encroached dementia, and um, you know, from his memory loss to his inappropriate outbursts of uh, irritable irritability, emotional outbursts, you know, calling people names, saying inappropriate things, like when uh, people ask questions and he doesn't really know the answer, um, and uh, so he tries to cover that up by you know just. Uh, getting angry, or he'll tell a story, he'll try to distract from the fact that he doesn't know the answer, Um, all kinds of things like that, and then he says such inappropriate things, uh, like after a speech not long ago, he said, long live the queen, it had nothing to do with his speech, Mm -hmm. he was talking about drugs, Um, I mean it was just, and then he gets lost on stage, he has to have the Easter Bunny lead him around, all kinds of things. you know, it's like every day there's something, and we can't keep calling them gaps. And um, the worst thing, though, that was the most evident sign of the fact that he has um, compromised cognition, co- a compromised brain, is that uh, is when he had the pullout from Afghanistan, and it was such a disaster. Um, 
and he's still trying, you know, he didn't listen to his advisors. Well, at least he didn't listen to the Department of Defense. I think he might well have been listening to Obama, but um, that reflected his um, lack of abstract ability, which is one of the higher functions of the brain. It's the kind of thing that a lot of chess players have um, a strong um, part. You know, that's a strong part of a of a chess player's game, um, brain, for example, because it, this part, the abstract thinking, has to do with uh, planning strategies. You know, keeping more than one thing in your mind at the same time. Thinking like, if I do this, and that will happen, and if I do this, this will happen. Being able to choose. Um, between abstract concepts. And so when the Taliban didn't cooperate and go along with his plan A, he was just lost. And he wouldn't take any help, and, and we, you know, we've all seen the disaster. And really, it is more of a disaster than people are even realizing today, because um, it's not just, it was, a, of course, horrendous for all the people who joined the military uh, to protect America and so on after 9-11. They were eager to be patriotic and join the military. And, you know, so many gave their lives um, in, in Afghanistan and, and or their limbs and, and just, you know, their, their psyche. So much was lost. And he just pulled out in this uh, horrendous kind of way, making families of the people who died, the military, the troops who died and so on, um, and and the troops who are still alive, um, make and but lost you know lost those years, um, make, makes them feel as though they sacrificed for nothing. That what did they do all of this for? When he just gave the country away, and the Taliban is there, Al Qaeda, ISIS, um, you know they're all uh, in Afghanistan, and we're giving. Not only was it horrible the the way that we withdrew, but. We are giving, Biden is giving, the White House is giving billions of dollars to the Taliban, if you can believe that. I mean, this, this is just, um, the world is so upside down. And, um, you know, so does that have to do, going back to getting back, back to cognition, um, you know, that was, a, that was a tremendous example for the world to see of how he, there was no president there. There was no there there. there. And after that, that's when Putin invaded Ukraine and China started, you know, uh, becoming more aggressive and Iran and all our enemies, North Korea, all our enemies, uh, it was the green light. This is the time now to do what you want to America because they don't have a president running it. So, doctor, let me ask you this, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, should there be an age limit, particularly in the higher offices or maybe any office, for somebody to be running. Now, we all know, and I'm sure you know as well as anybody, that we age differently. Some people seem as sharp at 90 as they, they were when they were 40, but uh, should there be an age limit? I don't think there should be an age limit, but I do think, because just because of what you just said, that um, you know that wouldn't be fair to the people at 90 who are still sharp. Um, but I do think that when there is any question of a president's um, cognitive abilities, that they should be made to be tested. You know, they should, um, and, and that has been offered, well, offered to Biden. Um, you know, he, they are supposed to do these medical exams every year, 
and um, now either they did a cognitive test and it wasn't reported, the results weren't reported, or they didn't even do it because they knew that it wouldn't come out, you wouldn't pass. This isn't an intelligence test. The kinds of cognitive tests that you give uh, to determine somebody's whether somebody is competent or not, you know, for example, competent to sign a will or something like that, um, has to test all different parts of the brain. Uh, it tests abstract ability, it tests memory, it tests, you know, there's um, something about drawing a certain figure, you have to copy it. Um, there's, there's all, there's, you know, things like uh, subtracting serial sevens from a hundred, who's the president, um, you know, orientation kinds of questions, a whole bunch of different kinds of questions. And so it's not like measuring the pres potential president or the current president's uh, intelligence. It's their thinking ability. And certainly when you're going for a position like the President of the United States, uh, you should be as cautious. You know, of course, these are days when we're all walking on a tightrope. We're afraid to say this, say that. You're, you're yeah. a racist, you're this, you're a bigot, you're this. Or uh, uh, you're a prejudice against the elderly. So people are afraid to say anything. Yes. So that may be... Uh, a reason why you'll see some people in in Washington in their late hundreds that are not able to do it, but nobody says anything. Well, it is a um, tricky, tricky business. You know, really, the I call them um, the floundering four, and that's Biden and Mitch McConnell and Dianne Feinstein and John Fetterman. Mm -hmm. And so Biden, you know, we've talked about already a little bit. And um, Mitch McConnell, uh, I'm sure you saw yes. his... Yes, um, very sad to see that. Really? You did see that? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. um, where he was having a press conference and he all of a sudden he just froze. Um, he couldn't speak. And... Um, you know, perhaps it was a transient ischemic attack. Um, we're not really, it's not, you know, I, or, well, we're not really sure, or they're not telling in any case what happened. But we do know that he has had a number of falls. And um, one of them he was hospitalized for uh, for quite a while. And so presumably they did different kinds of brain imaging tests, you know, PET scans and things like that. Um, you know, but nobody is talking. He never, he's, when he's come to Congress, like uh, with black and blue marks and so on, I mean, that, on his face, on his hands, um, I mean, you can see that something happened, and yet he's totally closed mouth about it. Um, then Diane Feinstein, oh, and what happened, you know, I've been talking about this uh, floundering four for a couple of weeks now, and uh, interestingly, uh, Mitch McConnell, he was at um, he was at some event the other day, and people started booing him and started saying uh, "retire, retire." So um, I don't know if, if, I'm, if I'm getting the word out or what, but um, but this and Diane Feinstein, interesting enough, in these last couple of weeks, she gave the power of attorney over to her daughter. So if she doesn't feel like she is competent to take care of her um, money matters and other kinds of important decisions for herself, 
then what is she still doing sitting in the Senate? And then, and then last but not least, John Fetterman, um, you know, he had a stroke, and uh, when he was, before the election, when he was running uh, for senator, um, people could see that he really hadn't recovered yet. And of course, the word was that, oh well, yes, he's you know he still is recovering, but he'll recover, and you know it's now months on um, or or more. I guess it's I guess it's a year um, since he. I don't know the exact month that he had the stroke, but in any case, it, enough time has passed where um, one would have hoped that he would have shown more recovery. And um, between the damage that the stroke did and his depression. Um, you know, he's not in great shape. So why don't these people retire is the question. Well, John Fetterman is relatively young, so he wouldn't necessarily have been thinking of retiring except for the stroke. Um, but but why don't they? Because the number one reason is they like to keep their power. You know, they didn't become politicians and run for these offices um because they're content to just stay at home and, and yell at the TV screen. <laughs> um, they like the power that they have. And, um, and also there are people around them who, you know, their aides help them, but there are also people around them who want to keep these particular people in power for their own uh, reasons, their own political reasons. So, um, and you know, then the other thing about retiring when people retire, whatever the job, not just politicians, but any kind of job that someone might have, um, unless, unless you're doing it uh, for a reason, the reason of getting medical treatment, which of course it would, be, it would behoove Biden and McConnell and Diane, all of them that I mentioned, the floundering for, it would behoove all of them to get to retire to get medical treatment you know, more intense medical treatment. Um, but unless you're retiring to get medical treatment for whatever problems you have, um, then really retirement is not a great idea in general. People who retire and don't have something else that makes them feel useful, mm -hmm. uh, gives them a purpose in life, they deteriorate. Um, That's a great you know, point that you make. We hear that so many times. Um, I mean, I've contemplated myself, but this is I've done, it's all I've ever done is radio, and I enjoy it. Okay. So uh, unless I come up with some terrific hobbies, I'll just keep doing it, I guess. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I have seen this time and time again in my patients, in my friends. Um, you know, and, and sometimes... I mean, sometimes people have a great plan. Oh, I'm going to take a, um, a, a an RV around America, or I'm going to travel. And yes, and that's great, but usually that doesn't take up all your time, you know. And then you're just kind of, you don't have that life force coming through you to fulfill some purpose. Let me talk about the American voter, for for example. I mean... And we've seen it. You've seen it with local elections where somebody uh, has broken the law or gone to jail and people will still vote for them because of the particular party they were in. And that's another sad uh, outlook of things because uh, even though they are somebody that really should not be in that position, people will still vote for them 
that's how strong the both sides of the political party are. Kind of makes me wonder. Well, um, I don't know if you have somebody in particular in mind. Well, we've seen some examples locally in uh, in Rhode Island and Connecticut where uh, somebody has done some really heinous things, maybe in Washington where they were arrested for drugs and then people will vote for them again because Uh of the party that they're in and that kind of wonders about what people are thinking, that they would want these people to be their leaders. Yes. Um, there may be no answer to that, except that uh, they're well, so strong I mean, with it. Their... My answer would be it kind of depends upon what they were in jail for or what the crime was that they did, mm-hmm. you know, um, and whether it's something that would continue to haunt them through their um, being in that elected role. I mean, it made, made me think of Fetterman, where people, um, like at the debate, people saw that he still wasn't uh, able to put a sentence together, and yet they voted him. So, but sometimes I think maybe the point you're making is that, um, and it is so true, that these days, because we're so politically divided, people vote according to their party rather than according to the individual. Um, so, like, in Fetterman's case, it wasn't so much um, mm-hmm. a vote for Fetterman, as it was for the party. Against, I know that's um, yes against Dr. Oz. I mean, I would want to vote so, for what's best for my country, but um, people sometimes overlook that. I want to flip uh, flip the coin a little bit with you, Dr. Laberman. Now you have a book called "Divorcing a Narcissist." And well, no, that's I. I just wrote the foreword to that. I oh, the foreword to it. Book. Okay, I, I thought it was your book. But speaking of nar- narcissists, now. Uh, and this is my take, and you can jump in. I think that President Trump did a lot of great things, had a lot of guts, did a lot of things that other presidents wouldn't do. But I think if there's anyone who's a narcissist, I think it's him, and I think that he hurts himself and maybe the country very well, very much with that. What do you think? Well, he does have narcissistic traits. You can't, there's no way to sort of deny that. But um, he puts, you know, but think about it. He puts the country before himself. Because, I mean, first of, when he first ran, he didn't, I mean, he was a rich man. He had a great life. He had uh, a beautiful wife, wives at this point. Um, and so he didn't need this, uh, all this headache of being the president. Yes, it, was it, you know, of course, is it a... Um, feather in your cap to become the president of the United States? Yes, it's the greatest feather in a way that you could have. But okay, so he, he did that. He checked that box. But So he doesn't have to do it again. Um, he is driven by his love for America. And I think that's why so many people um, love him so much, because they see that um, you know, what he has been willing to sacrifice, and to this day, you know, there's one indictment after another um, coming at him, uh, and and he's still hanging in there. I mean, it would be the easiest thing in the world for him to say, okay, <laughs> enough is enough. Um, I'm going back to whatever, real estate or something. That, I don't would, know. that wouldn't be him, golf clubs. That wouldn't be him to do that. You know that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, but I mean... Um, but I don't think it's just because of narcissism. You know, I, I, I don't. I think 
see, people are able to tell real narcissists. Um, I mean, like malignant narcissists. Like um, a good example these days is Meghan Markle, for example, you mm -hmm. know? And a lot of people don't like her um, because they see that it's all about me, me, me. So people, can kind of, people have kind of a gut reaction. They might not know the uh, diagnostic and statistical manual criteria for each of these diagnoses, but they know when they're turned off by somebody. And yes, you know, actually, Trump does turn some people off. He, I mean, he has. I think that that's why Biden won, sure. um, because it really wasn't for Biden. It was against Trump. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if he <laughs> Well, we're not going to go there. Um, but, um, but, uh, but, you know, and sometimes people are jealous of how much a person has accomplished. And that goes into it, too. Well, it's a, he's an interesting character. I always say one part of his brain is brilliant, and the other one is like, nah, nah, like he's a kid. And uh, yes. that scares people Well, he does, he does say things, yes, you kind of, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's kind of like a bull in a china shop. That is true. Mm -hmm. But... Um, but I think his heart is in the right place. It frustrates me because I think, as you say, I think he he can and did do some really great things. So one of our listeners has a question. We have a few more minutes. You have a question Hello. for Dr. Lieberman. Go right ahead. Hi, good afternoon. What is your question, um, please? I have a question for you. Go right ahead. I was, I was once told by a patient liaison at the Mental Health Authority that um, psychiatrists very bad doctors. My question for you is, the president and his wife, Joe and Jill Biden, were treated for cancer in January and February of this year. Don't you think that's a contributing factor to functioning? All right. Thank you. I wasn't aware they were treated for cancer, but uh, how does well, that... Well, um, I mean, Joe had... Uh... He had skin cancer, a skin cancer lesion removed. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that would be what's affecting his brain. Um, I think what is affecting his brain is that um, we, we do know for a fact, before he became president, um, in, when he was in his 40s, he had uh, aneurysms, two an brain aneurysms with a brain bleed. So he had surgery on his brain, mm -hmm. and he currently has atrial fibrillation that he takes medication for. So I, I, I have never examined him um, personally, as I said, but um, if I had to make an educated guess on what kind of dementia he has, I would say it's vascular dementia because that is, the, that is what has been, um, you know, that is what he has had problems with before. And sometimes also he does seem like he has these what's called transient ischemic attacks uh, where the blood stops flowing to the brain for a few seconds or minutes. Okay, I have a switchboard is lit up, and I know we only have a few minutes. Hi, WICH, you have a question for Dr. Lieberman. Hello. Hi, what is your question, yes. please? Yes, um... <laughs> I can't believe some of the things that you're saying and some of the assumptions that you're making about uh, Mr. Biden, President Biden. I have never heard. Uh, you almost sound like you're making a Trump speech. A lot of your facts are inaccurate. Biden, they did oh, really? send money. Yeah. They did send money to Afghanistan. But do you know why? What? Why? Do you know why they sent it? Why? 
Well, it was theoretically supposed to be for the poor people, the citizens. But do you really think it's getting from the Taliban to the citizens? Well, do you know for a fact? You, I quite frankly, Okay, we'll let her okay, respond. Thank you. Eleven. I became the terrorist therapist. I've written two books on terrorism. I do a podcast, The Terrorist Therapist Show. Um, I do speeches on terrorism. So, yes, I do know what I'm talking about. Okay, I want to leave it at, the, at this point because I, in, in my lifetime, have never seen people so angry with each other. I mean, I yes. see family members who don't talk to each other anymore. People who have had personal friends for life because they can't handle somebody have a, who has a different political point of view. Yes. As a therapist, what can we do about this? This is very sad. It is very sad. And, um, you know, one thing is, like, when 9-11 happened, we all came together. We didn't care about people's politics. We all came together to help America, to help each other, and to go to um, synagogue and church and all of that. And that was a very positive time when we were, you know, united. And, um, you know, is it going to take some other kind of calamity, like some other country attacking us or aliens landing or some other sort of common enemy uh, or another 9-11? You know, it would be sad if it got to that uh, degree. I think people, starters, though, I think people need to return. You know, during the lockdowns, we couldn't go to churches or synagogues or houses of worship. And um, and there's been a big drop-off since then because people just, you know, stopped thinking about it, stopped going. But um, but I think we that's one way that we can start is because there are people of different political persuasions in um, houses of worship, and I think we need to to realize that there is something above ourselves, you know, that whatever religion you are, that there is a God and um, or there is a a universe, um, you know, that that is um, that is more important than any one of us. I mean, I enjoy having civil conversations about religion and politics, and but there are some people we don't even go near there because they just go off the charts, and it makes me sad that you can't even have a discussion. But that's the trend, and I hope it changes. Yes. So, my friend, yes. I know that you've so written a lot of you've written a lot of books. You're doing a lot of TV shows these days. Um, what's on the horizon for you? What is on the horizon? Well, um, 9/11 is not that far away, and um, every 9/11 anniversary, I mean, <laughs> the 9/11 anniversary, um, and every the la- for the last two 9/11 anniversaries, I have had a. Um, a, a, a mobile billboard, a truck, basically, going around New York, and last year I did it in D.C. as well, and this year I'm going to be doing it in Manhattan and D.C. too, um, with a, a video that I created um, that is on it with things like, first of all, patriotic music and things like um, why we need to remember 9-11, never forget, um, some certain symptoms that you might have of PTSD, from the anniversary triggering your memories, um, how to talk to kids about terrorism, uh, things like that. And um, and so that's going to be going around. And actually, people could, if they're not going to be in Manhattan or, or 
Washington, D.C. on 9-11, they can just go to my website. I have the video on my website, which is uh, www.terroristtherapist.com. Terroristtherapist.com. It's always a pleasure, Dr. Lieberman, and uh, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure as well. Thank you. Be well.